look in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 30. John, chapter 14, verse 30. While you're turning there, I'll mention, we were, we intended originally to do our park nights the first Tuesday of each month, and if you remember last week was, was the first Tuesday of October, but it was right on, on the heels of our United weekend, so I wanted to give a little more time for that, and so this Tuesday, I'm looking forward to being with you all and fellowshipping. Amen. Why don't we pray before we read this scripture? Lord, we thank you for your presence that's here today, Lord. I thank you for your spirit, your awesome spirit, God. I'm thankful for all that you are doing in our midst, God. Lord, we pray, let your spirit continue to flow and minister here, Jesus. Lord, I pray, let our ears be open to hear your word, God. Let our spirits be open and sensitive to the sound of your voice. God, we pray, Lord, your will be done in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. John 14, verse 30, it says, Hereafter I will not talk much with you. This is Jesus speaking. I will not talk, talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Now, there's a few things I'll point out just quickly about this scripture. First of all, Jesus is saying that uh, times are changing. The season of time that I've had with you is coming to a close as he's talking to his disciples. And he says, the prince of this world cometh. So it's almost like a changing of the guard, if you will. I've been here and I've been on this earth and I've been doing my part, my, my thing, and you've all been here with me and I can't stay here much longer and when I go, the prince of this world cometh. And he and I, we don't fellowship, we don't share things in common, in fact, uh, he and I don't dwell in the same places. Where I am, he's not. Where he is, I'm not. In, in the sense of his dominion. And my dominion, the Lord's saying. But I, I, the, the last phrase I want to read there again. He hath nothing in me. A few other translations put it this way. He has no power over me. He has no hold over me. He has no claim on me. Those are things that Jesus says about the enemy and himself. I'd like you to just examine your life for a moment, if you would, and, and ask yourself, can I say that same thing? That the prince of this world has nothing on me. Has nothing in me. Has nothing over me. Or... Maybe just ask it this way. Take the, the idea of the prince out and just say this world. Because he is the God of this world. And what this world promotes, what this world engages in, the lifestyles that this world offers, they are his because he's the prince of this world. But, but sometimes we think, well, that's just the devil and I have nothing to do with him. Okay, well, then just ask yourself this world. Does this world have any hold on you? Does this world have any power over you? Does it have any claim on you? Is there anything that this world could say is ours and it's got a hold in your life? First Corinthians 6 and 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. The Apostle Paul writes here, he says, All things are lawful unto me. I really like how, um, how personal Paul is in a lot of his writings. He uses himself as his primary example 
in pretty much every one of his letters. He says, this is me, this is how I act, this is what I do, this is my life. And my life is an example to others. If you remember, he was raised as uh, a, a Jew's Jew, if I can put it that way. He, he learned at the school of the top teachers. He could quote and recite and give detailed explanations and share knowledge that any Pharisee, any, any um, law-loving individual would want to hear. And then he starts by, he, he says, I went through all that, and then I had this change in my life. The Lord came in, and he arrested me for his will. He, he's made me a prisoner of Christ. But even as a prisoner of Christ, he's showing me, live this way, don't live this way. Partake of these things, don't partake of these things. And let your life be led in such a way that I tell you what's allowed and what's not allowed. But then he progresses all the way in his relationship with the Lord where he could say, all things are lawful for me. The in other words, I'm not out here doing stuff that the Lord would not approve of. Okay? I I'm, not, I'm not breaking the law. I'm not breaking God's law by the way I live or by the things that I do or the way that I speak or I, I'm living in such a way that there's no charge against me but what he says here is all things are lawful unto me but all things are not expedient I can't I can't justify the fact that since I can do this I will do this all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. This is the word expedient. When he says all things are not expedient, it means profitable or beneficial. What, what does profitable mean? Well, put it in business terms and you know, it means you're actually making money. You're, you're doing an activity that is putting money into your pocket so you are succeeding in your endeavor. If you're trying to run a business and it's not profitable, well, no, I, I'm not going to keep doing that much longer. But if it's profitable, you think this is good, let's keep doing it, we'll keep making money. Things are working good. So he says all things are not profitable for my life. I can do that as much as I want to and I'm not breaking any law. I'm not going against God's word by doing this thing, but that still doesn't mean it's profitable. It's not good for me. Maybe it's not benefiting me and my life. All things are not beneficial. All things are not profitable. Here's another way I'd say it. Just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should do it. This is a lesson we try to teach our children often. Be responsible with what you're doing. Yeah, nobody's going to get you in trouble for that, but is it the best way to spend your time? Is that how you want to be spending this day or your life or, or whatever? Why are you not doing something more profitable with your time? There's no rule against it. There's no law against it. But is it beneficial? Here's another translation of that verse, verse 12. Someone will say, I am allowed to do anything. Yes, but not everything is good for you. I could say that I am allowed to do anything, but I am not going to let anything make me its slave. Paul knows enough about human nature, and he knows that if you start doing this, you might have a, a hard time stopping doing that. And what that leads to is, you are now the slave of that thing.
I'll give you just a fun little example first before we get with our waiting boots on. It's not a bad thing that sometimes we put mints out here at church. And it's not a bad thing that you might go there and say, I can't wait to get mints at church today. Oh, I hope they got the sweet ones, the sugary ones. That's great. And then before you know it, every Sunday you come in and think, well, at least I'm going to get my sweet mints today. Well, what happens when one day they're not out there? Ooh, I'm having a hard time feeling the Lord today. Because I didn't get the thing that I didn't even realize I was a slave to. Oh, I don't know about Elder now. I think he might have missed something. Oh. Well, that's a light example. But you just take out the mint example and put whatever is in your life that, sure, there's nothing necessarily wrong with it. But when you get hooked on it, when you get to where you don't want to go a day without it, or maybe you can't go a day without it, now you've got a problem. Now you are a slave to that thing. Paul's, I, I, I guarantee you, Paul saw and heard so much in his ministry and in his life that he recognized some people have tendencies and when they start the conversation with, there's nothing wrong with me doing this, Paul's going to know, red flag, right away. They're trying to justify something that they probably already know is a bigger issue than what they're making it yeah. in their own life. Yeah. But what, what they want is to either be told, no, that's wrong, stop it, cut it out, you can't do that anymore, or to be told, you're right, you're fine, everything's good, just keep doing it. And they want one of those two sides of the coin, and really, they're stuck in the middle of it, and, and it's really, it, it's handicapping them, or handcuffing them to that thing that they really thought was not a problem to begin with. It'd be much, it'd be much easier, now, let's just uh, zoom way out for a minute, and just think about religion as an example. It's way easier to have somebody tell you what to do all the time than for you to figure things out for yourself. And it's way easier for someone to just say, go do whatever you want, we don't care. Those are opposite sides of that coin and somebody is looking, even in the, in the religious realm, to say, I like going to this church because they make me behave. If I get out of line, they're going to say something, and they're going to whip me upside one, down the other. Woo, I can't do that anymore. I like that at my church. And then you got somebody else. I like going here because they don't make me feel bad about anything. In fact, I can go three months not showing up at all. And when I come back, they're just happy to see me. I like that. They don't ask me where I've been. They don't ask me what I got into. They just are happy to see me. Well, what do you have? You've got two things that are out of balance. But what you're doing, what the individual does, is they take all the responsibility off of themselves and place it on someone else. In this instance, the church or the religious organization. Now, you do have a part to play as a part of the church in helping your brothers and your sisters, but I would dare say it's more about what you do behind the scenes than what you do in a personal interaction with them. Praying for them and living a godly example in your own life is the best thing you can do for someone that you want to help. Praying for them and living as a godly example. Those things go a long, long ways in, into helping other people. 
what they, what they don't necessarily need, especially as they are growing, is you holding their hand and saying, are you living for the Lord right now? I know we had this discussion last week. Let's have it again. Are you still doing good in your relationship with God? What things have gone wrong? Can just tell me about it. No, that's not going to help them once they get past a certain level. Or once they should have gotten to a certain level. But neither is, we'll just write them off, let the Lord deal with them. No, you let the Lord deal with you about the situation. Pray for them. I'm not going to let anything make me its slave. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25. 1 Corinthians 9, 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate, in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Let me read this to you in the Amplified Version. Every athlete, okay, so we're not just talking about every man, every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. They do it to win a wreath that will soon wither. But we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. Next verse. King James says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. The Amplified says, Therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I wake up every day and I don't just wait to see how this day is going to go. I don't just wake up and say, well, whatever happens today happens. I wake up with purpose. I live throughout the day intentionally with purpose. Without... I do not box. Okay, now we went from talking about people to athletes to specifically boxers. This is the analogy that the Apostle Paul is using. A fighter, a boxer. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. How strange. Uh, let me just tell you a story real fast. I was playing softball many years ago right out the Lions Park right there off the freeway, 82, across from the Walmart. And uh, this is one of those, I was doing a, a, a league where we played some late night games. I mean, I'm talking about like it was a 10 o'clock start. And, uh, and so by the, by the end of the game, it's past 11, sometimes going on midnight. And uh, it gets pretty lonely out there in the outfield. You're, you're playing far away from everybody and the lights are on, but you can't really see past the parking lot, and you don't have a clue. What, and they all, they all got these tracks around the outside of the fence. So I'm out there playing, I don't know, center field or something, far away from everybody. And all of a sudden, I hear some crazy kind of commotion going on behind me. And I'm thinking, I don't even know if I want to turn and look back there, because I'm closer to whatever that is than anything where everybody else is. But I, I could tell it's a person making some strange noises. Kind of sounded like a dog a little bit. Kind of sounded like a human a little bit. And I turn around, and I realize, okay, it's this just one guy walking the track by himself, but he's obviously on high on something, some kind of drugs, and he's just hit her I mean, all the way around the track, and I'm kind of scooting in a little bit. Let's play this guy shallow. And what is that guy doing? And then, sure enough, he gets over to the other side of the field, and my teammate that's on that side sees him and hears him, and we're like, this guy's... But I get a visual of this when Paul says, I don't fight as someone that boxes against the air. Just wasting energy, wasting punches, wasting time. 
no adversary, no nothing. What happens is you're your own adversary then. You're wearing yourself out. But that's the visual that I get is somebody that just, they don't know what's going on in life. They're disconnected from everything that matters. And instead, they're just, how am I ever going to stop doing this? I don't know. This must be what Christians do, I guess. Paul says, nope, I don't do that. The next verse, verse 27. But I keep, King James Version, but I keep my body, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The Amplified says it like this. But like a boxer, I buffet my body. That's the Amplified Version. Now I'm going to jump back into King James Version and say you have heard that word buffet before. It's when Paul says, there was a messenger of Satan to me sent to buffet me. You heard that before? And in that passage, what he says, or what it means is, the messenger of Satan it, there, I don't even remember this passage offhand, but he says it, uh, or, or where it's at, but he says, lest I should be exalted above measure because of the greatness of the revelation given to me. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan sent to buffet me. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that he would remove it, and every time he said no, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you. So that in that instance... Paul says, okay, I had to make peace with the fact that God's not going to take away every problem that I pray for him to take away. But instead, what he's going to do is give me enough grace to be able to handle the problem that he's chosen not to take away. So that's what the messenger of Satan did that was sent to him, or what Paul calls the thorn in his flesh. But it says to buffet, which means to hit repeatedly. To strike physically, repeatedly. Just, p -p 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 -p. is this guy ever going to get tired? Nope. P -p 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 -p. All the time I got to deal with this? You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you, but I've got more grace than he's got punches. So here Paul says, therefore, like a boxer, I buffet my body. That means I handle it roughly, I discipline it. By hardships. He, he jumps back and forth between himself and his walk with the Lord and the training that a fighter would go through. He says it would be ridiculous to expect a boxer to not know what it's like to get hit. Just imagine, I think it was a, one of those old popular boxers, he said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the nose. So Paul says, I, I'm not going to go into this fight unprepared, and I'm not going to go into this fight without knowing what it's like to get a hit. Some people might say, if you're talking about boxing, the one that's going to win is not the one that can punch the hardest, but the one that can take the hardest punch and keep fighting. So I keep under my body. That's a strange way in King James, the way that he words it. It, it would make more sense, and it, makes, it still is the same accuracy to say, I keep my body under. Under what? Bring it into subjection. I make sure that this body knows who's in charge, and it's not this body. You understand that? Every person has a body, a soul, and a spirit. And either the body's in charge, or the soul's in charge, or the spirit's in charge. And Paul says, not me the body is not in charge of me. 
So I do things intentionally to make sure it knows who's in charge. I buffet my body. I discipline it by hardships and subdue it. And I just love the fact that he adds this. For fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. I, the Apostle Paul, can you imagine if I am traveling the world and winning people with the gospel and seeing people come to Jesus and get saved and they repent of their sins and they apply the gospel to their own lives through my ministry. What sense would it make if I have them do all those things and then I turn around and become just like the person I was telling them not to be? I can't do that. So I know how to not be the person I've told them not to be. And it's this little thing called flesh. And either I keep it under subjection, that means I can tell it what to do, when to do it, or it controls me. This is why he said back in the previous verse, I can do anything I want to do, but I'm not going to become the slave of anything. My flesh loves buttery popcorn so much. And there is nothing wrong with eating it on occasion. But there is something wrong with having to have it every night before I go to bed. That becomes a real unhealthy issue. So when the preacher gets up and preaches against buttery popcorn, he's not going to do that because there's nothing wrong with it. In the word is moderation. Paul also used that word many times. Moderation. He says it in one passage, let your moderation be known to all men. I'm going to shift gears on you a little bit here. I felt the Lord dealing with me about this yesterday. And so far, only Brother Timothy knows where I'm going because I gave him the title of what to call this, a 30-day challenge. Everybody say, 30-day challenge. I don't know where this trend really started, but uh, there's a lot of these young kids that have YouTube channels and they'll do something like a 24-hour challenge. Maybe you've heard of that. They, go some, they do all kinds of crazy things, like you can only eat food that starts with the letter C for 24 hours. All right, candy, Coke, I'm good. Can we make that 48 hours? Uh, we don't need carrots. Carrot cake, sure. Man, I can go a while. But they, they do that, and they, I, I've told my kids, they do that just because they know people want to watch that thing, just for entertainment, you know? Or the, sometimes it'll be 24 hours in your bedroom challenge. You can't come out for anything. How long have you been watching this? Well, it's three minutes in. <laughs> They're almost done. Okay. But here's what I have felt. And I, I, heard, I heard a man of God say this uh, a while back. If you think you are not addicted to something, then go 30 days without it. You'll prove to yourself whether you are or not. Oh, I feel it already. But what's wrong with buttery popcorn? Nothing. I might have some after church. Unless that's the thing the Lord deals with me about. But the way things are headed, that's not it. But see, I already, oh, I feel it already in this room. 
What's, you can't tell me there's something wrong with this thing. I don't have to. If you can't go 30 days without it, you're telling yourself there's something wrong with it. So here's what I feel in the Holy Ghost to ask all of us. Consider going 30 days without something. Math homework doesn't count. Something that might be a regular part of your life. Something that might be a regular part of your day. Something that you would probably not say you are addicted to, but you may not have ever gone 30 days without it before. Ask yourself, do I really think I could go 30 days without this thing? Are you addicted? Can you go 30 days without it? Maybe you've said this to yourself. I can quit this at any time. If that's true, then just to prove that you are in control, go 30 days without it. Now, I'm not trying to overstep any boundaries, and I can't make anybody here do anything. But I'm feeling this strongly in the Holy Ghost today that the Lord would challenge each of us to find out who's really in control of your life. And by who, I don't mean the devil and I don't mean Jesus. I'm talking about your flesh. I wouldn't say there's anybody here, oh, the devil's in charge of that person. If I felt that way, we'd probably not be at this point in the service. But I know I'm sitting in or standing in a room with human beings and human beings love nothing more to be in charge of their own selves. It's kind of like a fast, but not necessarily the same. I have, a, I have a short list of a few items just to get you thinking, okay? Yours might be this, or it might not be this. Okay, but it's going to get you thinking. Can I go 30 days without this? The first one on the list is video games. Brother Emmanuel, you can probably go 30 days without doing any video games, right? I thought so. But just to get you thinking, Brother Emmanuel, something like that, There might be some people here that may not be able to say that as easily as Brother Escobar. I can go 30 days without video games. I'm just saying it doesn't have to be that. Here's one. Pop, soda, Coke. Wherever you're from, one of those applies. Just saying, can you? Can you go 30 days without that? Now, I've already preached the message. Don't make me re-preach it. But if you're sitting there saying, I don't think I can, find out who's in charge, you or the drink. How, hang on, how ridiculous would it be to find yourself in Paul's writings to the church because you cannot go 30 days without drinking a sugary drink. I'm not telling you you have to. I can't make anybody here do anything. But I'm asking you to consider, can I? Or does this thing have more control on me than I thought it might? Now, if that one wasn't strong enough, then let's just boil it down to sugar. I'm not telling anybody you have to go 30 days without sugar. I'm just asking you to consider if you think you can or if you think that stuff has more st stronger hold on you than you might have thought. I'm the first, I'm the worst one here, okay? I promise you. I have a hard time going 12 hours without some of these things. 
much less 30 days. But when the Lord shows up and says, who's in charge? You or that? Uh, I don't know, Lord. Here's another one. Social media. Can I go? What's wrong with social media, elderflowers? What's wrong is it can make you its slave. You don't need me to go through your accounts and say, delete this one, delete this one, delete this one. Let's clean up your social media. Well, you might need me to do that, but we're not going to do that. But what you do need to do is say, who is in charge? Me or this? If you think you are in charge, then prove it by going 30 days without it. 30 days is not a long time, I promise you. It's not a long time, 30 days. You get past one, you're already on to the second one, and you've proven the fact that you can do it. Oh, I'm going to get the shakes. I haven't checked social media in so long. I don't know what notifications I've missed. Somebody might have messaged me. Who's in charge? <laughs> this, is, uh, this is funny to me in my notes because of the way I put it. Gossip magazines or gossip magazines. None of those really apply to me personally, but I know they're a thing. And can you go 30 days without it? I can go 30 days without magazines easily, but gossip I don't know I mean I got to talk to somebody who's in charge who's in charge you have to talk to somebody and I don't mean like just hey how you doing I mean like I got some scoop I need to share this it's eating me alive uh, I, here's why here, here's the way that it happens I, I, I don't know. I, I might be wrong on this, but I, I, I think I know Caleb well enough to know I don't have a huge gossiping problem. But the moment I say that, then the Lord's going to let me become aware of some information to see how well are you at holding this to yourself when you know that somebody else would love to hear this. I didn't think that was an issue for me. But I'm dying to tell somebody Something they don't even need to hear. Why? Because it's addicting. Because I feel powerful. Because I get whatever things I get. Just if it's me and I'm eating gummy candy. That's my weakness. And I'm sitting there eating it and I'm loving it. Somebody else is sitting there gossiping and they're loving it because they're getting the same feelings that I get from eating that bag of sugary candy. That's just how humanity works. I'm almost done with this list. Somebody say amen. I said almost done. I'm not done yet. Because this next one is music. I don't know. My wife and I were meeting with someone a while back, and I felt it of the Lord to just say, I didn't even say 30 days. I said a week. I said, can you go one week without listening to music? This person said, impossible. Woo, really? So who's in charge? But I need it. I need it for this. I need it for that. I use it in this way. I use it in that way. I'm not, I'm not saying any of those are illegitimate reasons for wanting to have music playing. But I'm saying, if you don't have it, then what? Now, we, you can, we, you, we, I, the Lord, can be as specific as you want to or as general as you want to. Maybe it's one artist. And imagine that. I can't go 30 days without listening to this one artist. Wow, 
What are we finding out about ourselves? What kind of hold does that person have on you? You never met them, you never will meet them. But you're giving them this much power over your life? Who's in charge? If that's, not, if that's not broad enough, then, okay, change from one artist to a whole genre of music. You can listen to any other kind of music you want to for 30 days, but just don't listen to that kind. Oh, no, 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 you can't do that to me. I need that. Who's in charge? You or the music? I, I, that was an issue for me at one point in my life when I was younger there were certain things I wanted to needed to had to listen to I don't know if it was ever that strong but I like to listen to it I've graduated beyond that stage of my life where I don't really need to listen to any music at all but you know what I have replaced it with talk radio sports talk radio I still wouldn't say I need to listen to that, but I could also, I would be embarrassed to tell you how many times I spend, how, how many times I find myself listening to it. For no reason. I need background music. Why? What are you afraid is going to happen in the background? I don't want to have to think, oh, is that the problem? I don't, want to, I don't want anything to be able to get into my brain that I don't want to have to think about. Oh, so you just turn that knob on and listen to something else instead. What, what's really happening there, and this is probably more so in the music than in the talk radio one, but I guess it, it applies to both. You are afraid of what you will hear in silence. And I'm not talking about misophonia my wife knows what that means that means it's like a hearing disorder where you don't want to hear certain sounds I'm not talking about noise at all I'm talking about in your spirit in silence what things will you hear that you are trying to drown out thoughts memories worries ah, I can't hear any of that I don't I don't Turn that music up so I'm not hearing those memories. Who's in charge? I'm just... Mm. You were probably hoping I wouldn't say this one. YouTube. Where'd that come from? Well, there's music on there, there's talk radio on there, there's video games on there. What else? There's social media on there. There's gossip on there. Everything is on YouTube. Oh, there's preaching on there. Yeah. There's preaching in here, too. Just saying. Who's in charge? Okay, I will give you a pass for your 30-day challenge. If you have to have YouTube and you're going to use that excuse, there's preaching on there, only use it for preaching. 30 days. You better unsubscribe to every one of those bells and notifications or you're going to find yourself watching not preaching. Who's in charge? I just need the thing that plays on that channel. Really? Now, you see how Ooh, man. I told you we were going to be putting on these waiters. They're on now. You see how we jumped from talking about something like social media or music or food to something like a broad spectrum such as YouTube. What's wrong with YouTube? I already answered this question. There's nothing wrong with it unless you have to have it. Can you just go 30 days without it? Who's in charge? I will not be a slave to anything. 
all things are lawful to me, but not all things are beneficial. Not all things are profitable. Not all things are productive. Everybody say discipline. Discipline is something that God can help you with. Imagine, if you would, if if I were translated in the spirit right now and dropped overseas somewhere in an army camp, and I'm talking to soldiers about this. Wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, would it? Why? Because they've already got this discipline thing down. They've gone 30 days without YouTube. They've gone 30 days without Coca-Cola. Okay, now what are we going to talk about? Who's helping you with this discipline? Because you could be the strongest, most disciplined person that you know, but if God's not helping you and if it's not God discipline, you still need God discipline. Because what happens is this little thing called transference. And where I have finally whooped the sugar addiction out of my life, what have I replaced it with? Mm. I'm afraid to even offer suggestions. Because if it was not God discipline, then all you've done is transfer the thing that was taking your time and energy to this other thing that's taking your time and energy. I know somebody, that's as, that's as uh, vague as I can be. I don't even know him personally, so there we go. It's a friend of a friend of a friend. I know somebody who has a relative in the military. And since he can't have most of all this stuff we're talking about, the just the normal joy and pleasures of life his thing has become motors engines all that stuff has him tanks planes and so what since he can't be on youtube scrolling endless hours watching whatever he can be spending endless hours reading books about engines is that fine is that what we're saying Who's in charge is what I'm saying. I need God discipline in my life. He will help me with it. If you don't have your thing yet, I'm going to remind you. Consider giving something up for 30 days. We're finding out who is in control. Now, maybe it is an actual sin addiction. Most of these things we've talked about, unless they get to the point where it is causing you to not do the other stuff, godly stuff, then that becomes a sin. But maybe it is an actual act of sin that you are addicted to. And, like we've already said, Maybe you've tried to tell yourself, I could stop at any time if I wanted to. I could. I just don't want to yet. Really, you could. Then let's prove it, friend. You're not proving anything to me or your friends at church, your family, or any. You're proving it to yourself, and you're being honest with God. Why don't we stand? I, I, I just, I feel that the Lord is asking us to try this. I'm not, I'm not making anybody I'm strongly encouraging you. I've already said this recently. That's about as strong as I can put it. 
I am strongly encouraging you in the Holy Ghost to consider something. If it was something that was mentioned or that came into your mind today and you thought, no way, I couldn't do that, maybe start there. Maybe. Now, don't start there if you know you're not going to make it tomorrow without it. Pray about it, though. Let the Lord help you. But also develop some God discipline. Maybe it's something that you have just made an occasional thing. And if you hadn't done it today or tomorrow or later this week, it would happen sometime between now and the 30th. Then, just say, when it comes to that, I'm not going to do it. I can only say this so many times, but I feel myself repeating it. Who is in charge? Lord, I'm asking you to help us right now. Let it be by your grace, Father. Let it be by your power, not by our might, God, but by your spirit. I pray it today. Help me, Father. I pray do your work in these lives, God. Whatever you want to prove in me, Father. Whatever you want to test in me. Come on, we said it Tuesday night. The trying of your faith is more precious than gold. That's what we're talking about here today. A trial. Come on, can you put yourself through a trial? Can you put yourself through a subjection? Just as the Apostle Paul said... In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray, help us by your grace, Lord. Help us by your grace, Lord. Come on, let the Lord talk to you for a moment here. I know the Lord wants to develop some of this discipline in us and with us. Why don't you talk to him and let him help you with it? In the name of Jesus, Lord, I lean upon you today. God, I lean upon you as my strength. I lean upon you as my source, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, help me, Father, I pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm doing this a little different intentionally today. I'm not doing an altar call because I don't want you to come up here and pray and forget. If the thing that you decided you wanted to give up for 30 days is chili, reconsider because Tuesday night we're having chili. But would you please let the Lord deal with you about this? A 30-day challenge. Amen. We're finding out who's in charge. Amen. God bless you. Greet one another. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.